Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. We're going to move into our teaching time today. We're in John chapter 4, and I don't know if I've actually read the entire story to you, um, so I want to take a minute and do that right now, at least so far as we've gone today. Um, so we're in John chapter 4. I'm reading out of the NLT today. I really like this translation, and I'm going to start in verse 4. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time, because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now isn't your husband. You are speaking the truth. I'm changing this translation, because just like we talked about last week, this is getting it all wrong. I like the NLT, but I just completely modified that. So, there you go. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am. Well, this says, I am the Messiah, but that's not what the Greek says. The Greek says, I am the one who is speaking to you. So I like the NLT, but I did have to make a couple of changes there. But what I want to focus on today is this journey 
that Sam, remember we're calling the Samaritan woman Sam, this journey that Sam takes from calling Jesus Sir, which you heard her do several times, uh, to calling to recognizing Jesus as a prophet when he knows things about her, when he reads her mail, like we talked about before. And then getting to the point where she brings up the idea that there's a Messiah who's coming. She floats the idea. She doesn't say you are the Messiah. She doesn't ask if he's the Messiah, but she brings it up and she gives Jesus the opportunity uh, the first time in the Gospel of John. And of course, we don't know how this fits with the ordering of the Synoptic Gospels chronologically, but this is a very early confession in Jesus' ministry that he is the Messiah. Certainly in John's Gospel, this is the first time. He hasn't told the disciples. He hasn't told uh, Nicodemus. He didn't tell his mom. Uh, This woman, the Samaritan woman, Sam, is the first person in John that Jesus says, yeah, I'm the Messiah. So that's really significant. One thing is I do like, I've slammed the NLT a couple times this morning, so let me say something nice about the NLT translation. Um, The word sir that we're using in English is a translation they're giving for kurios, which is usually translated as lord which is often appropriate. In other places, it's clear that uh, the writer uh, of, say, Matthew or Paul uses it this way, wants you to think of Jesus as Lord, as in you're giving allegiance to Jesus. Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not, that sort of thing. That's not what's really going on here. Um, She's not pledging allegiance to Jesus. She doesn't know who this Jewish guy asking for a drink of water is. Uh, She's just being polite. And much like the word senor in Spanish can mean something uh, very lofty like Lord or God, um, but could also just mean sir, the same thing is true of curios. So I think it's a really good translation in this instance that she's just calling him sir. She's being polite. I mean, at first she's taken aback that this Jewish man, you know, would speak to her. But then as soon as she realizes that he's sincere and wants to engage her, in an honest conversation, then she's polite and she's respectful and she calls him sir repeatedly until he reads her mail. And then she's like, oh, well, you're more than just sir. You're you're a prophet, aren't you? And then as they move further on and he begins to explain things to her from his perspective, from Jesus' perspective, she finally comes around and says, well, you know, I, I know Messiah's coming. So even what Jesus has said to her has stirred her thinking that she has heard as a Samaritan that Messiah is coming. You know, uh, the Savior of the world, the Savior of the Jews and the Samaritans. This is something that not only the Jewish people were looking forward to, but Samaritans were looking forward to as well. And so her mind goes right there. And so she's taking this journey where she's drawing closer to who Jesus is. Her understanding of who Jesus is grows through this story. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the vineyard value of Centered Set uh, with this journey that Sam takes in this part of the story from Sir to Prophet to Messiah. And we'll come back to Messiah probably in a few weeks and say more about what all that word means and all of its meaning. But for today, we can just think of it as anointed one, which is, you know, probably the literal translation of the Jewish word. Um, The bearer of the spirit, the one that connects people to God. And we'll just work with that definition for this morning. Um, 
but centered set is uh, a, an old school vineyard thing. And if you've been in the vineyard for a while, you've heard it. I know you've heard Artie preach about it. You probably heard Jacob and Brent talk about it as well. Um, and I'm going to put a little graphic up on the screen that shows you kind of what we're talking about in that a lot of churches um, are what we would call a bounded set. There's a hard line of entry. Like we know when you have entered into the mix, you uh, come to the front, you say the sinner's prayer. There's a moment when you go from being an outsider to being an insider. You have membership, you join, um, things like that. That's typical of a lot of churches, but it's not something the vineyard has ever put much stock into. For example, Gainesville Vineyard has never had membership. We still don't have membership. We don't do church like that. We think of church more as a centered set and Jesus being the center. And then the question being not whether you're an insider or an outsider, but the question being how close are you to Jesus and what direction are you moving in? Are you moving towards Jesus or are you moving away from Jesus? And in this story, we see Sam moving uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually towards Jesus. She's far from him. She doesn't know who he is. But as they sit there and talk, and you know, this is just my speculation, but I've said for a few weeks now, we don't know if he ever got the drink of water that he asked for. But as I was thinking about this week, I I think I want to say he did. I I want to just imagine that as they were talking, that Sam just dipped her bucket into the well and drew it up, and then she passed him the ladle, and he had a sip, and he passed it back to her, and she had a sip, and they're having this theological conversation over a nice drink of water. You don't have to imagine it that way, but it's how I imagined it this week, and I like it, and so I'm keeping it, because I can, because the text doesn't tell us either way. So what does centered set as an analogy for how we do church? What does it signify? Um, This proximity, distance, movement, the whole spatiality of the whole thing. What are we getting at? What are we trying to say? So I think the first thing we're trying to say is that this is all about relationship. It's all about the, the, the nature and the quality of our relational connection to Jesus first and foremost, but then also to everyone else. And it involves all the things that relationships involve. Uh, There's, you know, the heartfelt emotional connection. Uh, There's communication, spending time together. Um, With regard to Jesus specifically, that means a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, spending time in prayer, in in studying scripture and studying um, about Jesus and other other theology books or whatnot. singing worship songs on your own time, those sorts of things. Um, all of those things that build relationship with Jesus, and then all the sort of things that build relationship with each other as well. Because if Centered Set has a downfall, it's that it can seem really individualistic, like I'm just my little dot, and I'm just worried about where I am in relation to the center dot, which is Jesus. And that doesn't necessarily mean I have anything to do with all the other dots on the board. Um But it's only individualistic to the extent that the Jesus at the center is a figment of our imagination that we've created to make the worship easy and painless. Um, If the real Jesus is at the center of our set and we're serious about moving toward him and drawing close to him, then what we're going to find is that we're not one little dot all alone, but we're one dot among many dots 
and the connections and the relationships we have with the other dots um, rise and fall to some extent with the relationship we have with the center dot. Uh, and certainly the relationship we have with the center dot affects all the other relationships around us. So that's what we should expect. We should expect that drawing close to Jesus is drawing us closer to each other. Uh, we should expect that drawing close to Jesus draws us closer to our own selves. So proximity, the goal is to be close to Jesus. And what that means is the goal is to be like Jesus. The goal is to be a follower of Jesus, to emulate and to imitate Jesus as a person, as he was. Uh, another way to say this is the goal is to be the most authentic version of ourselves that we can possibly be. And what I want you to know with this is those are not two separate goals. That's the same goal. Becoming more like Jesus and becoming fully yourself, that's the same thing said in different words. Those are two sides of the same coin. So that's what proximity names. It's like, am I becoming like Jesus? Am I close to who, how he is, who he is? Is my life being modeled after? Is it emulating his life? Um, the other is what direction are you headed? Are you headed towards Jesus? Are you headed away from Jesus? And the thing I want you to know most this morning about that is that the center is not stationary. Jesus doesn't stand still. Um, he's the center, but he's a center in motion. And so we can't be stationary either. If we're standing still, then we're not drawing closer. Uh, we're moving further away. Um, and the fact is, we're never standing still either. We're always in motion. All the bits of our lives are pushing us to and fro and moving us around. Um, and some of them have maybe a natural proclivity to moving us towards Jesus. And some of them might have a natural proclivity of pushing us away. But in reality, all the vicissitudes of our lives can move us in either direction, depending on how we respond to them. Uh, tragedy can make us um, hardened in our hearts and move us away from Jesus, or it can turn us towards Jesus as the one who loves us and cares for us in the hardest of times. The same thing with success. Uh, we can see success as a blessing, and it can draw us closer to Jesus and free us up to, to do more good in the world, or it can make us feel like we've achieved this on our own and we don't need a Savior anymore because we've made it. So good times can draw us close and push us away. Bad times can draw us close or push us away, depending on how we respond to them. And so we always want to be careful uh, to pay attention to what direction we're moving in because um, we are always in motion. And Jesus is always in motion. He doesn't stand still. He's got things to do, and so do we. Um, my friend Brian Metzger, who's the pastor of Raleigh Vineyard, he has written a few blog posts recently about Centered Set, and he says this. I want to quote it because it's really good. Uh, Brian says, Spiritual formation, which is kind of what we're talking about here, right? Spiritual formation recognizes that God is forming us to be more like Jesus even when we don't know it, and perhaps even when we don't particularly want it or like it. I really appreciate that. It focuses on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, both effectively and effectively, with help from following the story we are in, and proximity and even messy relationship with the people with whom we share this journey towards the center. All the aspects of our lives, messy as they are, 
can be moving us towards Jesus if we're engaged in the story that we're in. And the story that we're in is the story of Jesus. So those are what matter. What matters is proximity. How close to Jesus are we? How far away from Jesus are we? And direction. What direction are we moving in? Are we moving towards Jesus? Are we moving away from Jesus? Um, What doesn't matter uh, in this respect is um, how smart you are what level of education you have, uh, what discipleship programs that you have attended or taken or gone through. Um, It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry. It doesn't matter what titles you've had, what roles you've done, what jobs you've had. It doesn't matter what your theological opinions are. It doesn't matter what your church preferences are or your cultural preferences are. None of that matters. In this respect, and and this is not just a description of how we do church. This is a description of how we understand life with Jesus to be, life together to be, the entirety of the faith to be. Is this just like nexus of relationships with Jesus at the center? And this is what matters. And and the other stuff is periphery. And other other stuff hopefully supports and helps us um, do those relationships well and do life well. But Sometimes they just distract us and get in the way. So um, the things that matter are proximity and direction. And we're either moving closer to Jesus and moving closer to each other, or we're moving away from Jesus and moving away from each other. And the same is true of our own selves. We're either moving closer to Jesus and becoming more in touch with who we are, or we're moving away from Jesus and we're becoming more separated within our own selves. So centered set is not just a nice idea. It's not even some weird way to say everyone is welcome, although everyone is welcome. And I think that's sometimes what Vineyard has meant by centered set is like there's no inside outsider. There's no insider outsider. Everyone's welcome. Everyone can come and stay for as long as they want. Everyone can go when they feel led to go. That's all true in a basic sense, but it's much, much more than that. Um, Centered set is an ethical posture. Centered set is a reimagining of what it means to be in relationship to Jesus, what it means to come to faith in Jesus. This is a full reset of our approach to the whole thing. So becoming like Jesus is about every aspect of our lives. Uh, We should be thinking differently. We should be talking differently. We should be acting differently. We should be posting differently on social media as we're drawing closer to Jesus and closer to each other and closer to ourselves. Uh, We should be bearing the fruits of the Spirit, which I know I keep saying a lot lately, uh, but it's just really been on my heart. Um, This whole thing, centered set, uh, this movement towards Jesus, it's an ethical framework as much as it is anything else. Um, But when I say that, the other thing you have to understand is that at the center of this is not a principle, not a maxim, not a categorical imperative, not a theology, not a dogma, not a creed. At the center of this is a person, the person of Jesus. This is an ethic. This is a way of life constructed entirely on relationship, entirely on relationship. And I know sometimes church folks give lip service to this idea that it's all about relationship. But when I say that, I I mean it really is all about relationships. It's not about the theology. 
It's not about the dogma. What we're talking about here is a way of life that is not religiously informed. This is not about morality. This is not about do's and don'ts. The things we do are the things that foster relationships. The things we don't do are the things that harm relationships. Beyond that, don't worry about do's and don'ts. Just set all that aside. Jesus will tell us the things we are to do. And Jesus will tell us by the Spirit the things that we're to refrain from doing. If Jesus hasn't told you to do it, don't do it. If Jesus has told you to stop doing it, stop doing it. And Jesus will give us the power both to do what he tells us to do and to not do the things he tells us not to do. And it's in those doings and in those refrainings that we move closer to him or further away from him. Same as in all of our other relationships. It's in spending time together that you draw close to each other. It's in avoiding each other that you grow apart. It's in refusing to cooperate that you grow apart. It's in doing the dishes that you show that you love the people in your family. All of those small examples are what we're talking about here. These are what relationships are built on. So that's my message for today. Sam has this journey she walks on in this story where she goes from seeing Jesus as a stranger to someone she should be polite to, to someone who has prophetic gifting, to the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that can connect her to God and her life and her entire town, as we'll see soon enough. And the same is true for us. We're on a journey, and you can't short-circuit that journey. It doesn't happen in a moment. It doesn't happen in a day. It happens over a lifetime. And as you draw closer to Jesus, you find out things that are sometimes surprising and beautiful about him, about ourselves, and about each other. So that's my hope for us, is that we continue to do that. I hope that we're always centered set. It's our best protection against all the failings of religion that I go on about so often. So let's take our communion elements together today. Grab whatever it is that you have um, for the body of Christ. I've got my bitter brownie that Kayla made for me. And we're just going to say Jesus is the center. Because he is the center. He's the center of everything. Jesus is the center. Take your cup. They're going to say, Jesus draws us to the center. Because that's true. If you're worried about your proximity, if you're worried about your direction, the only recourse you have, the only recourse you need, is to say, hey Jesus, draw me close to you. Uh, point my arrow in your direction. Give me insight, give me wisdom. What to do to draw close to you. Jesus draws us to the center. Friends, I care so much about you. And I'm so concerned for all of us in this time. I pray that you would spend some time this week 
reflecting on your relationship with Jesus, not your relationship with church, not your relationship with religion, not even your relationship with the Bible, but your relationship with the person of Jesus. He's a real person, and he's really at the center. And to some extent, all of us are in relationship with some mix of the real Jesus and the Jesus of our own making. I don't know that he shared our drink of water at the well with Sam. It's just what I like to imagine. And that's okay, because that's where we always are. And he understands that. Reach out this week. Reach out in prayer and just say, Hey, Jesus, where am I in relation to you? What direction am I moving in? Draw me close to you. I promise you, we need Jesus to draw us close to him in this time. Be well, friends. If you need anything, please reach out to me. I'm praying for all of us, and I'm hoping for better days ahead. I love you, and I will see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after-school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless. God bless.